Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. back with What's God Got to Do With It? And I'm so honored to be sitting here with the Corey Trimble, which if you have not met him, you are about to. So first of all, hello. Hi. <laughs> Hi. So glad to have you here. Welcome to my office. Yes. It's a great office. There's a dreidel here. There is a dreidel. Yep. Neskadol Hayasham. That's what it stands for. But that's another episode in itself. <laughs> I've had that dreidel for probably 10 years and I just now learned that. So. Yes. There Thank you go. You. If you want to know how to use it, I'll come back in November, December, wherever the lunar calendar strikes and tells us when Hanukkah is. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm I'm grateful to be here. So for those of you who don't know who Corey is, I, I moved to Nashville about seven years ago and you've heard from Kevin Queen, my first rabbi, as I call him. And about two years ago, I moved to Murphy where I just feel so blessed and gifted that my fiance was already attending the Experience Church and had so much to say about Corey that I had to come check it out for myself. So needless to say, we came and attended services, but there's also something called a next class where Corey really introduces people to the church, gives a tour, welcomes everybody, and and shares his raw and real testimony. And when I heard that, I I can't even tell you how much closer to, to God it made me feel, but also made me realize like, wow, this is not just a pastor, he's a person. And I think sometimes we forget that about Mm. our spiritual leaders and spiritual guides. So we're going to dive into all of that. But first, if if I could get you, Corey, to just kind of share a little bit high level overview of your journey, what brought you to be who you are, where you started, um, and then we'll we'll dive in a little bit further. I'm originally from the St. Louis area. My father is from Southern California. 
and uh, met my mother in St. Louis. They got married, had my sister who was five years older than me. Um, we moved from St. Louis to Dallas to Tennessee. My father worked for American Airlines, did did pretty well for himself. And um, we grew up in a, uh, I don't know if I'd call it a Christian home. We went to we, we went to church somewhat. My grandfather was a pastor, but we, I wouldn't say we were a church-going Christian family. My parents, like many people's parents, got divorced, and they got divorced when I was about 12. And it was after that that there was a complete absence of, of any conversation of God in my life whatsoever. And, and, and without being uh, disparaging of, of anyone in my family, we, we not only all physically went our separate ways, our, my family quite literally dispersed. My mother went to St. Louis, my, my sister went to Indianapolis, and uh, my father and I stayed in the Nashville area. But we all went down roads of, for the most part, sin mm. and um, took a took a bad turn. And uh, all of that kind of manifested in different ways in all four of us. But we were a very, very broken family. And so because I, I kind of lived in two different homes, I lived partially in St. Louis, par- partially in, in Tennessee as a kid. As I got older, had no really rules in my life. And um because of that, I kind of fell into the trappings of everything one would do as a 14-year-old. I remember I got my motorcycle license at 14, which is weird. I have a 14-year-old now, and it just seems bizarre yeah. <laughs> that you can do that. But uh, I remember my father would travel a lot for work, and it was just my dad and I in this big house outside of Nashville. And he would leave me money. I had transportation because my motorcycle license. And starting at a very early age, I just started indulging and engaging in um, a lot of drugs. I uh, lost my virginity at 14. Started getting into two really, really bad stuff. And, and for the sake of, of, of just length of time, you know, it started off like it does with most people who get addicted to drugs. Um, started off with, with low-level stuff like smoking weed. And we would huff, you know, different inhalants to, to where eventually cocaine, crack, speed, and um, doing some time in a 12, 12 step program and, and things like that. Struggled really bad with depression, anxiety. Those are still things that if, if I gravitate away from God or good counsel, those things can still nip at my heels. But had a couple of suicide attempts and just a really broken life. And, and it wasn't until I was actually in my, my early 20s, I was 22, after a lot of pretty traumatic things happened that, that I... <laughs> literally stumbled into a church on a Wednesday morning, uh, half drunk, that uh, eventually gave my life to Christ. It was about six months after that, my, my now wife uh, did the same thing. She wasn't drunk, but um, came to a church with me and, and got saved in that, that, that same church. So the first 22 years of my life, just a lot of brokenness, a lot of anger, a lot of depression, a lot of, um, I have a very addictive personality even today, and it was just channeled in a very destructive way. So that's, I guess, a very 30,000 foot view of the first 22 years of my life. Yeah, yeah. So do you remember where you were emotionally? Like, was it, did you feel all alone in this world? Was God something that you thought about, but kind of dismissed? That's a good question. I, you and I were talking before we started recording. I had this sense of God as... I didn't really know what God was. Uh, I, I thought God was kind of um, a universal force, you know, that if we were just nice to people and, and um, you know, didn't murder anyone, that we were okay. And I, I wasn't even sure what okay meant. But um, yeah, I had a very ag- uh, very agnostic kind of spiritual, um, <laughs> maybe kind of a hippie perspective when it came to, to, to God afterlife. You asked that I feel alone. 
to this day, I, I only have a relationship really with my mom. Yeah. She lives in St. Louis still, outside of St. Louis a little bit, but, and she's a good woman. I have a good relationship with her. My, my father hasn't talked to me in a long time. My sister, we, we talk occasionally, but not as much as we should, and our relationship is not very good. I haven't seen her physically in, in I don't know, six, seven years. And so that was my whole, my whole upbringing until I was in college. And um, really until I met my wife, I met my wife when we were juniors in high school. And a very weird part of my story that I tell people is because I didn't really know who God was, when I met Alicia, my wife, she became God. I, and, and like I became, in a codependent kind of way? Oh, or, very much yeah. so. And I, and I genuinely loved her and yeah. cared for her, but she was such a example of what I wanted to be, even though she wasn't a believer either. She didn't yeah. believe in God. But her family, her parents were still married. You know, she had two younger siblings. She was a straight A student. She, you know, she's gorgeous. Like that became an idol in my life. So I felt alone until I met her. But but even her being as as great as she is, that ended up not being enough either. So kind of you know zooming out of teenage, young adult Corey and speaking as you are today. When you said I didn't know who I was in God's eyes. I didn't know who I was. You weren't rooted. And so you were looking for it in other things, other substances, and eventually Mm -hmm. in your wife. What would you say about that now? Like, what didn't you know that you were looking for? Like, what do you, what was the hole that you were trying to fill? Well, I mean, we talk a lot in society nowadays about identity and it's a word that's been thrown out so much that it's kind of lost any sense of definition. And I think that really is the linchpin. I think until we become Christians, we have Everyone right now in society is striving for that that word, identity. We're all trying to find our identity. And that's not a bad pursuit. The problem is, is that we pursue we pursue the wrong things to find it. Right. Initially, the identity, my identity, was was in sex, it was in drugs, it was in <laughs> it sounds so cliche. I played music for a living. It was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. That yeah. was my identity. I was the life of the party and and that thing. You know, you meet this beautiful, wonderful, wonderful girl, that became the identity, but that still was not fulfilling, not because there was anything wrong with her. It was, it was, again, trying to put a square peg in a round hole. I still didn't understand my value and my worth because I didn't know who God was. And it's not until one discovers Christ that we understand our value, that the God of the universe would give his only son to die for us, That's that, 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 that speaks to our value. And we don't live in our true identity because we don't know who our true creator is until we know who Christ is. Mm. And and it's only until you find that that you learn to truly have peace and, and walk in some kind of real confidence. And I don't mean confidence in, in myself, but confidence in who I am in God. Mm-hmm. So when did you first kind of discover there was this gaping hole in who you were? You said you kind of accidentally stumbled into a church drunk when you were, what, 22? I was 22, about yeah. to be 23. So what what was that little whisper that made you, you know, what what do you think got you there? Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. So when did you first kind of discover there was this gaping hole in who you were? You said you kind of accidentally stumbled into a church drunk when you were, what, 22? I was 22, about yeah. to be 23. So what what was that little whisper that made you, you know, what, what do you think got you there? Uh, it was more of a shout. So my wife and I had been dating for five years uh, neither one of us believers. I had gone and really acted like a fool. Uh, she had just graduated college. I, I was very far from graduating college. And um, I went on kind of a bender with some guys and, and, and acted like a fool and did some foolish things. And so much so that I lost her. I had lost my job. I had lost my ability to play music. And then the, the, the final kind of tipping point was she left. She had every reason to leave. I treated her like garbage. And it was ironic that I treated her like garbage because she was really the only stability in my life. And she left. And um, my third suicide attempt came right after she left in 2002. And when I say I stumbled into a church drunk on a Wednesday, on Monday, the first week of, of August 2002, what little money I had to my name, I went and bought a case of vodka and I decided I was going to drink myself to death in the front room of my, my little house. And so I did that for two and a half days. And um, on the third day, which was a Wednesday, at the time I didn't know it was God, but it was God I can see now. I drove to a little church. I knew the pastor and um, stumbled into his office and, and laid on his floor and cried my eyes out and, and felt the Holy Spirit. I didn't really understand exactly what that was, but it felt like someone hit me with a, with a taser. And I remember kind of being shocked into my senses and, and my pastor sitting me down and going backwards and starting at the gospel and just telling me who Jesus was. And for the first time realizing, oh, this is the answer. Mm. Was it that immediate? Like, did you realize it in, in that moment? Did it take some time? Did you have to dip your toes in? Or was it no, more just I, like it, a revelation? It was a revelation. Yeah, it was pretty immediate. And, and of course, I say pretty immediate because I felt something, if I can just be really open on your podcast, Please, yeah. I laid on a, a floor and I, I spoke in tongues. Yeah. You know, the Bible says that's a gift for the non-believer, and we can interpret that in several different ways, but this kind of physical thing had happened to me, and so I had to come to this conclusion in my mind, so I've either lost my mind, or, or God has just miraculously done something to me. And so I had to, I, I left that place going, I, I don't think I'm crazy. So there has to be this benevolent, loving God that sees me even in this mess that I'm in and wants to save me. 
And so, yeah, it clicked. It was like turning on an engine. Now, there was still years of refinement that had to come after that. You know, we're justified and then sanctified. That sanctification, that growing, I feel like I'm still doing that. Mm-hmm. But uh, and I feel like we should always be doing Absolutely. that. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I like I still smoke two, you know, two packs of cigarettes a day for the next six months after I got saved. You know, and like, yeah, I was still addicted to that. I, you know, I, I there were so many things that I just out of ignorance. But God is so good. I think I think it's being on that road. I was telling someone the other day. They asked me when I got saved, and I said, well, you know, I guess I got saved that day, but I, I've never viewed salvation as a gas station. I kind of view salvation as a highway. You stop at gas stations. You don't stop on highways. You, you keep going. And I, I felt, I feel like God's always saving me still. Yeah. I don't know if that sounds weird. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't um, sound weird at all. I, I feel like I'm still getting bailed out all the time by, by the love of Christ. Well, I think we need leaders who think like that. You know, if oh. somebody, anytime somebody, you know, comes from a, lack of a better way of saying it, a high mountain where they know it all, like that's not who I want, you know, mentoring me. Well, or, I think there's danger yeah. in saying that we've arrived. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that scares me a little bit. So yeah, that's 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 kind of how it started. And I remember calling my now wife. I'd call her all the time and she hated me and, and rightfully so. And um, I joke around, she, she would hate this if she heard this, but you know, she'd cuss me out on the phone or hang up on me and but for six months I prayed for her and I, I kept inviting her to church and eventually got her there. And she had virtually the same experience I did. My wife's a very logical, intelligent woman. And she had a very similar experience that I did. For her, it was, well, you know, I'm either crazy or God did this. Yeah. And she instantly jumped in. Wow. I mean, I, I we were just talking about this before we started recording. Like, you know, I, I was also too logical and smart for God, you know. And I think, I, I really think he likes to come after us logic and reason thinkers the most, you know. But coming back to this idea of a refinement process, I love putting it through that lens because I think it gives us permission to always be in process and always refining and redefining and aligning towards who we want to be and looking at it as this lifelong mastery conversation rather than a, oh, I need to get somewhere and arrive somewhere right now kind of conversation. So what did, because I'm trying to think of the, you know, in my perspective or people that might be listening of, okay, I'm in the same shoes where maybe I'm really turning over a new leaf and my heart is opening up to this possibility that I'm not crazy and I want to, I want to have a relationship with God and I want to renew my mind and become this new version of myself. But my past feels so heavy. My environment is tra- trapping me. So there was a refinement process that obviously happened for you, who you were hanging out with, how you were spending your time, what you were feeding your mind, your heart, your brain, your soul. So can you share a little bit about what life looked like after you got saved and how the refinement process looked then and what maybe it looks like now? You know, I've used the analogy when I when I preach sometimes, if we are moving towards God, we are naturally moving away from evil. I mean, that's very simple. If I'm, if I'm walking towards one wall, I'm obviously walking away from another wall. So I think you really hit the nail on the head that I don't think God expects for us to have it figured out immediately. But if we're really walking in a relationship with Jesus, I think there will be the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our, in our heart. And there will also be the blatant instruction of the word, and mm. we should be ingesting the word, that what we feed our minds does start to change. Where we put ourselves physically starts to change. And, and sometimes who we hang out with uh, starts to change. Now, I believe when we reach a, a stage of maturity with Christ, we should have non-believing friends. I mean, who else are we going to witness to and pour into? But uh, there were some relationships I had to, I had to distance myself from. Um, 
I remember right after I got saved, I, I went and worked for a buddy of mine that owned a, a coffee shop here in town. And it's it's kind of a funny story now, but it was kind of the hub of of people on the fringe, this coffee shop. It was called the Red Rose. You know, it's where the, the, the gay community hang, hung out. It's where all the punk rock and metal kids hung out. That's, you know, that's what I was. It's they did suspensions, which is, you know, they'd hang people by meat hooks in the back of this. It was a bizarre place. You could get a cup of coffee, buy a record, and have a guy hang you by meat hooks in the back. It was a, <laughs> what a combo. <laughs> very fascinating. But that's where I worked as a, as a new believer. Again, that, that, that kind of post-salvation experience, I think there is, uh, going back to that road analogy, you're, you're not going to reach the, the, the end of that road, I believe, until, you know, Christ comes back or we drop dead. But I think the question is less how far along on the road am I and just am I moving on this road? Mm -hmm. Am I constantly being refined and constantly being sharpened by the Holy Spirit? And and so I think everyone's road looks a little bit different. Mine, you know, within about six months, I, I finally quit smoking cigarettes in 2003 at the turn of the, the year. And, you know, I still had a foul mouth on me sometimes. But over, over the years, God cleans up the tongue. He mm -hmm. cleans up how we speak. You start feeling convicted about certain music or certain movies, and 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 you just it, it's this it's this gravitation again towards Christ and away from things that are antichrist. What do you think it was that flipped for you that made you you know obviously you had this special time with God and you were refining your relationship and then now you are a leader and mm -hmm. you are a pastor and you have really you know you started this church from nothing which I'd love for you to share that story too because it's super cool. But what was that turning point that made you realize I want to pour into others. I want to help people see with their own spiritual eyes and lead people to God. I think the desire to want to do that was almost immediate, and uh, we make jokes about it now, my wife and I and, and other people who knew me back then. I, so I was, I was still smoking like a train. I was working at this coffee shop. I wasn't allowed to talk about Jesus while I was working, because I mean, you know, because it was, you know, it was a secular coffee shop. So I remember I would go on my smoke break. Back in the, remember the days you could actually smoke inside at places? Yeah. So I'd sit in the middle of the coffee shop on my smoke break. I'd light up a cigarette. And I'd open up this big King James Version Bible because that's what they used in the church I got saved in. And I, I would just let these people who used to come to my shows when I played music and people who knew me from my, my crazy days, it, it was like this magnet. And they'd walk up and say, Corey, why do you have a Bible? And so it was almost day one that I had this desire to share what I just experienced with the people that, that, that were around me. Of course, with Alicia, I shared it with the, the the friends around me. I shared it with, and I think that that hunger was there immediately. The actual call to, I guess, be a, a a leader. I remember being in a car with my wife. She started coming to church with me, and we were there for a couple of years. And um, I was teaching English at Smyrna High School, and I remember uh, being in my in in my car, and not an audible voice, but clear as crystal. God said, you know. You're supposed to you're, you're supposed to do this for a living. Yeah, because you were I, teaching. I was, but you were just teaching um, other subject matter. English, yeah. yeah I was teaching English, <laughs> and um, and I didn't even know what it meant to work for a church. I I, I didn't yeah. really understand what that meant or what that looked like. But I remember saying that to my wife and and, and Alicia going, I already knew that. Uh, wow. She had kind of seen it. It's typical with women and men. <laughs> women, I think, see it a lot quicker. All things than men, but. Uh, she saw it before I did. And then I went to my pastor and I just expressed that. I, I feel like God is calling me to be an official minister. But I remember expressing that to my pastor and that didn't come to fruition for like two years. Mm. And that time of waiting was extremely difficult. Yeah. 
you know. What was it that like pushed you over the edge? What was that the, the thing that really got the wheels turning? And then I know that this congregation started out, you know, very small in, mm. in a coffee shop, right? Mm-hmm. And then now you have, you know, what? Five, ten thousand members, which is I know yeah, a big range. <laughs> we we've got there's about eight thousand that come on the weekends. That's between four four campuses, you know. But uh, I went to go work for this this church that my wife and I got saved in. It was a smaller church, you know, three fifty something like that. And uh, went there. I was was discipled well by by my former pastor. This was the thing that that kind of pushed me to do what we're doing today. Is I worked in a church, and this is nothing against them, but it wasn't the kind of environment where I could invite the kind of people that I used to be. Mm, yeah. And that really saddened me because my heart, and my heart is still for this, my, my heart is for the, you know, the punk rock kid that's an atheist. My my yeah. heart is for the, you know, the queer and the transgender that that I may not agree with their lifestyle, but they're, they're looking for the same thing that I was looking for. Yeah. They just haven't found it yet. Yeah. But I wasn't in an environment to where those people could come and explore safely. Yeah, if that makes because sense. it was judged. They were shamed. They weren't welcome to be exploring. They were, you know, a, a lot of people, whether it's a lifestyle thing or or for other reasons, right. feel that kind of um, that resistance to show up in a in an environment where they don't feel welcome. Yeah, and 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 so you know, the church typically, not this church. I'm talking about the church in America has gone to two extremes. We've either not even let let the door be open, or we have accepted things that are sinful in these two extremes. And and I wanted to start a church by God's provision that was not turning a blind eye to sin, but the door was open and the environment was safe mm. for anyone who wanted to explore the question of what is truth. Yeah. And and I wasn't in an environment where that could happen. Yeah. And so uh, my wife and I prayed about it a lot. We sacrificed a, a really kind of cush church position and kind of put it all on the on the line but i was never afraid of that and i don't mean that arrogantly i just mean if 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 one is confident that god has said to do something i there's no fear in doing that cuz mm-hmm. it's it'll be successful and that's what we did 2009 it was me my wife and one other guy that started the church and we didn't even ask the other guy i just couldn't get rid of him so <laughs> Amazing. So for anybody like for that, the people that you have the heart for, you know, and not that you don't have the heart for everyone, but like that, that atheist that doesn't know how loved they truly are or somebody who their lifestyle choices might keep them from even asking for support and help or feeling alone in this world. What's the big message that you want them all to have? It goes back to that identity thing. It is, it is the, the mantra and the idol of, of Western thought of the western world right now is identity Mm. that is the um that is the magical word and and i believe we have an identity but people are pursuing it down down every avenue i always say we we are trying to find our identity in virtually everything except for the one thing that we are made in the image of Mm. and until we discover our identity in god we will always have high depression we will always have high anxiety we will always have high suicide rates we will always have domestic violence we will always have high numbers of these these kind of ramifications of brokenness because we're we're, we're searching for something on the wrong road mm. and so i have tremendous amount of love and grace and empathy for people who are on a journey i just i i hope that in some way you know god can use me to to take some of them and and put them on the right direction in that journey 
Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, I, I don't know if that was too philosophical. No, or... it's perfect. Because one of the things that stuck out to me when we first started talking is you mentioned like, hey, I, I even have the propensity nowadays to go down the roads of feeling sad or depressed if I'm too far away from God. And I think, you know, people get this idea that if they're feeling all of the feels or they're they're humaning, that they're air quotes doing it wrong or that they're, you know, being a bad Christian or whatever. And I love that you're showing this picture of like, no, that's when God wants us to come to him. So can you just speak to that a little bit? I, I want to speak to the word humaning first. I think <laughs> oh, yeah. We make up words all the time, or at least I do. I was going to say I like that word. I think it's the first time I've ever heard it, though. Yeah. Feel free to steal it. Borrow it. There's no, there's no I'm copyright I'm going to use that this that. weekend. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. No, I, I think it's, it's, it is understanding our, our true humanity. I think it is understanding that true humanity is insufficient without a creator. I think it is understanding that we must be utterly dependent on something greater than us. Of course, we believe that you and I to be to be God, to be Christ. I think it is living in that humanity that that causes us to gravitate towards Christ. It's when we think we're superhuman, or or when we have an unrealistic view of ourselves, which is a, we a problem with the Western world, right? America is we have this kind of hyperinflated view of, of self. Mm-hmm. And, and multiple times in the Bible, we get this narrative of it needs to be, John said, less of us, more of him. When you know Christ said, if you want to find your life, you have to choose to lose your life. It is in this understanding that we are finite, broken, dependent, that we find salvation. We find hope. We find, we find God. So until we can be honest with ourselves and, and say that without God, we're we're totally screwed mm-hmm. until we recognize that we're lost. There's no way to be found. Mm-hmm. So I, I see no other way but to be honest about yeah. my humanity. Yeah, I think people think that they're they're doing it wrong or they're weak or that you know feeling broken is is the the ultimate rock bottom. But it's like no, that's where you start. That's where that's you right. can say, hey, I can't do this on my own. I don't want to do it on my own. I need a savior. Right, and we don't walk in the brokenness forever. We don't walk in the right. anxiety forever or the depression forever. We don't we don't hang out in that. But I have to understand my struggles. I have to understand wh- where the chinks in my armor are. And so I, I have to understand that if I am distant from God, I know the things that will get me. Yeah. I have an addictive personality. That'll get me if I'm not close to God. Yeah. I can gravitate towards depression. That'll get me if I'm not close to God. And I don't have to live in depression, but I understand my only escape from being dominated from that is I have to walk closely with the Lord. Yeah. And and even things like feeling broken, feeling depressed, if that becomes our identity, that's also a trap, you know, because it it makes us feel like we, we end of sentence period, this is who we are, where we are. And I think so many people fail to have that relationship with Jesus because subconsciously they refuse to give up the identity of depression, anxiety, shame, yeah. guilt, whatever. Because I think to some people subconsciously, some identity is better than no idea. Yeah. Some level of control, even if it's yeah. in depression, is still better than having to s- submit or relent my control to God. Absolutely. Because what we know, it feels safe, even if it's so uncomfortable and so unsafe. It's what we know and we gravitate towards it. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. 
Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. How do you get close to God? When you said like when you're too far away from God, like this is where this stuff comes up for you. So what's your process like? And obviously it's so individualized, but how do you get close to God? How do you go home to him when you feel like you're far away? What's that look like for you? Whenever we do premarital counseling or wherever I do premarital counseling with someone, the, the word communication comes up all the time. There is no way to have a healthy relationship without talking. I think it simply is making conversation with God a priority daily. When when the New Testament says that we're to pray without ceasing, I don't think that means that we're constantly in prayer, but I mean, I think that it means that our mind is constantly, that the conversation of God or the, the thought of God is is always somewhere in the mix in everything we do every day. And so I think for me, the way to not let stress or anxiety or fear, you know, running a big organization and having, you know, 140 employees and all that fear can easily creep in. I think to keep those things at bay, quite frankly, I have to pray every day. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just saying, you know, for five minutes in my car that there needs to be a set aside calculative, intentional time of prayer. That has to be there. I think everyone needs that. I think we need to casually talk to God, and I think we need to formally talk to God. I say it all the time, but I think people need to be in the Word. The Word holds wisdom. It holds knowledge. It holds promises. And then I think the the, the other important thing is if you don't have good people around you, making sure you know, I mean, the Bible says we're not meant to do this alone. Mm-hmm. It's not good that man be alone. If we do not have good, positive people in our life, it's it's we're just not engineered to walk alone. Mm. So you have to have some people in your life who will call your bull crap out. Mm-hmm. And I have people that know me so well, Kyle, that works here on staff, Josh. They know if I'm slipping into depression or anxiety. And they'll come in my door and say, hey, man, like, what do we need to do? Snap out of it. Let's go for a drive. Let's go do something. Let's pray together. Let's talk. I mean, I know that sounds oversimplified, but talking to God, knowing the promises and the truth of God through the Word and and having decent people in your life. Yeah, I think oversimplifying is so much better than complexifying something, you know, because it gets so big and and massive in our heads, and we think there's so many steps that we have to do to create a faith life, and it can be the simplest thing, you know, as setting aside just really this 
sacred time to, right. to be however you pray, whether mm-hmm. that's, you know, reading the word, whether it's, you know, writing, whether it's worship, whether it's while, while you're walking, you know, meet yourself where you are. It doesn't have to look how somebody else's prayer life looks. Are you, are you a writer? Do you write? I'm a bit of both. I'm a writer. I, you know, a lot of my praying happens while I'm moving with worship music in the background. So, um, but I do write uh, for sure. I never was into that until I guess I wrote my first book and it was a result of journals. Yep. And I just felt the need, this sounds so silly, I felt the need, maybe it doesn't, I felt the need to to document everything hard in my life, my prayers, and then later on I went back and you see that God would touch all those spots. Oh, yeah. And it, it was almost like in the Old Testament when they would build monuments. And I would go back at my journals and I'm like, my Lord, you answered all those things. Absolutely. Yeah. I, a, so. a gift from God for sure was the like that year that I was kind of skeptically, cynically looking for Jesus. And really the, the year after I got saved, I was journaling every day and mm. asking God things like, God, show me who I am, or please take this shame for me or give me a new belief. I was doing a lot of overhauling of my beliefs, but kind of, you know, full circle of you shared where you came from, your personal journey, your, your journey into, you know, being a leader in the spiritual world. So talk to us a little bit about obviously there was there was a wrapper or a, a reframe that you put around your story and now you use it for good and now there's obviously not this you know shame blanket around you where a lot of people that that may have experienced things similar they're carrying around so much toxic shame so if you could you know just invite people into a reframe about their own story and it's interesting to... so i was telling someone it's it's odd that we're doing this podcast this week we did our next class monday uh, yesterday, I was at a nonprofit in Tullahoma where I told my, my story, and then we're doing this today. I think over time, I told these ladies, I was at, a, a, at an addiction recovery place uh, for women yesterday. It was really, really great. A place called Blue Monarch, amazing place. And um, I was telling these women that there comes a time in God's grace and wisdom to where we have these wounds, and, and I think God heals them, but there, there's a scar, and there's a scar for a reason. I think it is, it doesn't hurt to touch a scar, but we see the scar, we know it's there. The things in my past, I do not feel the hurt of them anymore. I think God has delivered me of that pain, but I know that they're there. Mm-hmm. And I don't ever want to forget that they're there. I don't want to forget how awful it was to live a life apart from God. I don't want to forget that. And I, I tell my testimony at least once a month to, uh, you know, we usually have about 175, 200 people at next class every month. And I I tell things that are very uncomfortable about how I ruined my relationship with my wife for a while and some of the evil things I've done. And I still get choked up when I say those things. I still, it still bothers me to hear that I hurt people and did things like that. But again, I, I think God still keeps some of that intact for a purpose because it helps me not go back to Egypt. You never forget your pain so that you can meet other people in their own pain when they're there. Because if you're desensitized to it, how are you to be able to empathize and have compassion and feel what they're feeling if you're so disconnected from it? But it's no longer, it no longer owns you. You said that so perfectly. And I was going to say it, but not as well as you just said it. It (laughs) it, it does not dominate your mind or your thoughts. And and it is a very conscious thing that I think now that, that when the Bible says you're a new creation... You don't fully appreciate that till you're, you know, what am I now? Man, 20 years removed from that. I'm 44 now. I was 20, about to be 23 when I got saved. 
And I still remember it. I still remember that it sucked going, you know, that, that life before Christ. I still remember that. But you truly appreciate that that was not me. That was someone else. Yeah. Absolutely. You know. And you, you see that distance now, like you, st- that was who you are, you know, and you, right. you didn't throw away the baby with the bathwater like that, you know, you took the good parts of you, but you are a whole new creation. That's Your right. identity has been renewed, restored, redefined, That's and it's right. still being refined as we talked about. And one of my favorite non-biblical quotes is where you are is not who you are, mm. you know, and where you were was not who you are, you know, mm. and you were just doing the best you could with what you got and with, with what you had. And, and selfishly, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on this podcast is because I truly believe that as we step into our own stories and we relinquish our own shame, we can invite others to relinquish theirs and see that it's just part of, it's just the data of what happened. It doesn't have to have any other meaning or story or shame associated with it. That's right. But oftentimes we need people to go before us and share their, their dirty, their ugly, but to see that it's not so ugly, it's not so dirty. It just was what we chose. And if we could do it over again, you know, and, and I'm, I'm one of those people that it's, it's not like I regret things, but like, would I make those decisions as the woman? I am today? No, but I don't regret even my deepest, darkest stuff because it it forced me to become who I am today. That's right. And and honestly, I believe led me to God. That's right. You know, so if anybody listening thinks that they are too far gone or too broken or too messed up, I really hope that's, that Corey's story shows you there is so much good and redemption and beauty that can come from what feels like madness at the time. I appreciate that. It's... Uh... You know, I have a guy, Savut, who's on staff, who who came from a Buddhist family. And uh, we have a young lady, Carly, that works up at the front. I won't tell her whole story, but but there are stories in this building right now that make mine look, you know, light. And so whenever whenever someone says, I, I feel like I've done too much, it's 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 almost become a laughable statement. And and not, not in a condescending or mean way. It's you have no idea how deep. Yeah. The grace and love of God is. Yeah. And how much he wants to meet you there. Absolutely. Yeah. In the parts of you that you feel so ashamed that you tuck in a deep corner, he wants to meet you there. That's right. Yeah. You know, it is painful to pull those things out to the light, but it is only by pulling them out into the light uh, that they can be resolved and taken care of and forgiven and, and washed away. So it's um, it's getting past that initial, I, I don't want to say fear, but that initial kind of um, reluctancy or whatever people have to, to just come clean, but it feels good to be clean. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. And before we wrap up, I just want to ask you a couple of questions going to totally put you on the spot. So our first one is it's either you get to choose either a spiritual soundtrack or a spiritual bookshelf. So spiritual soundtrack would be a song or a piece of music that has, you know, significance or meaning in your life, uh, maybe how it's related to your faith journey, or you could pick a spiritual bookshelf. So, you know, recommending a book or a scripture or some sort of text that's had a profound impact. So which do you want to choose, a spiritual soundtrack or spiritual bookshelf? Okay, I'm going to do spiritual soundtrack. Okay. But I'm going to throw one book recommendation okay. out there as well. Okay, a little double doozy over here. Yeah, can I do that? Please, okay. there's no rules. Okay. Okay, so what would your spiritual soundtrack be? Okay, if anyone's listening to this, or maybe not going to think it's that spiritual, but my favorite band of all time is The Cure. I remember right after my wife and I got married, we saw them. That was our second time. Just Like Heaven by The Cure. We had that in our wedding. I remember our pastor thought that was really strange that we walked out to a Cure song, but um, a very secular band, but that song always reminded me of my wife. It was always a very uplifting song. It's my favorite song ever written, and to this day, it just reminds me of of that that kind of transition from when her and I got 
saved and then married and it was in our wedding. And so just like heaven is just that's that's a song that does something to me. I love it because you hurt your almost it reminds you of hearing it through spiritual eyes, even yes. though it's a, a secular song. Right. I love it. I right. love it. OK. And you said you also had something from your spiritual bookshelf. I, mere Christianity. OK. If, if someone yes. if someone just has a lot the of apologetics. Guts, yes, yes. And uh, I just think C.S. Lewis. Yes. Yeah. And he's a trophy. And um, if someone just wants to read something deep and challenging, mere Christianity. Yeah. Okay. I think it's good for the skeptic, cynic, non-believer, somebody it's who's... It's amazing yeah. for the skeptics. Yeah, for sure. Good pick. Good All right, pick. there you go. All right. All right. And then this one is a little bit, you know, deeper. So it's called Failures Redeemed. So basically mm-hmm. anything, maybe when your faith was tested or when you found yourself in a situation that maybe felt like a failure or a setback or a regression, but now you look back at it and you see that God redeemed it or used it for good. So Failures Redeemed. So I remember when we first started the church, we were running real quickly, probably running 75, 80 people right off the bat. I was teaching through the book of Matthew and we had a young couple come up. And they offered to teach a small group at their house going through the Old Testament. I said yes because we had no friends and, you know, we just wanted people to help. And so they started doing a small group at their house. Come to find out, not only were they teaching a a very complicated book of the Old Testament, Ezekiel, they were all getting together at this couple's house and smoking weed. So there was like half of our church, it was like 35 people, were going over to this and literally baking out in a garage (laughs) and, and, you know, quote unquote, studying the Bible. So I addressed this guy and uh, said, hey, you know, you got to stop, you know, maybe I didn't make myself clear, you know, or whatever. And he said, no, this is what we're going to do. And I remember about two months into starting the church, half the church left because I said, we're not going to condone smoking weed. And I remember at that point, you know, my wife and I were, were broke. We were personally funding everything. I was working third shift as a janitor. We gave up everything. And then half the church left almost immediately. And at that point, I remember like, God, what what are we doing? But you're talking about the redeeming part. Right after that, that, that kind of split basically happened, I think because I stuck to my guns and did what I, what, I, what I knew was right, even though it was difficult, I remember the church essentially exploded after that and just started to grow rapidly. And I think that was kind of one of those like, those, those like fork in the road where it's yeah. like, you know, are you going to bend? for people or you're going to, you know, you're yeah. just going to do the right thing. And so we did the right thing. Yeah. And so, so are you going to be liked or are you going to take a stand for what you believe in? I think that's a, a bridge that people cross every day. And, and I think churches cross it every day. And unfortunately not to go down a rabbit hole, but I think, you know, a lot of churches in the United States are, are, are probably failing that test right now, but well, ended that, on a negative note. I'm so hey, sorry. No, I think it was all positive. Okay, yeah. Right. It was, yeah. It's, it's all real. It's just real. We're keeping it real, you know? So, well, thank you so much for being on here. Just My so pleasure. appreciate your transparent truth and your beautiful conviction. Where can people find, follow you, check you out, Google stock uh, you, all the things. Google stock me. Well, you can just <laughs> Google my name, I guess. Uh, experiencecc.com is the church. Of course, we have Facebook and Instagram and all those things. I have a Facebook, but I'm really boring. So I'm not a good social media person. Okay. But yeah, our church is is pretty readily uh, available online. We have four campuses in four counties. So if you're in Cannon County, Coffee County, Bedford County, or Rutherford, we have a church. It's amazing. Definitely come check it out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. And we will catch you next time on What's God Got to Do With It. Bye. We'll be back with more What's God Got to Do With It. But in the meantime, I would love to hear from you. So tell me about where you are in your story and what questions you have. You know, where do you feel you need clarity or wisdom in your own journey? 
I definitely want to hear from you. So head on over to what's God got to do with it.com and scroll down to the form to share your thoughts, questions, or feedback instantly. That's what's God got to do with it.com. And if you like this podcast and want to hear more, follow, like, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to get your weekly dose of what's God got to do with it. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. And while you're there, be sure to rate and review to show your support. It really means so much. What's God Got to Do With It is an iHeartRadio podcast on the Amy Brown Podcast Network. It's written and hosted by me, Leanne Ellington. Executive produced by Elizabeth Fazio. Post-production and editing by Houston Tilly. And original music written by Cheryl Stark and produced by Adam Stark. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.